Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Martin Lee, and this is the Autosport Podcast. We are here at Silverstone today to tell you all about the BRDC superstars. Now, we're going to meet a couple of them in a minute in the second half of the podcast and find out what it's like to be at the beginning of your career, full of choices and places you could go and the support that's needed to bring on the next generation of young drivers. And to tell us all about that is our special guest today. I will let our chief editor, Kevin Turner, introduce him. First of all, Kev. Hello. Hello. Yes. Good I to... like this. I like being at Silverstone. Cars <laughs> going by, talking to people in motor racing, talking about motor racing. It's good. It is good, isn't it? Yeah. I spent far too long on the uh, in between recordings today on the Radicals website, working out how much of a lottery do I need to win just to be a gentleman driver and turn up somewhere on a random Monday in March, just drive my Radical and then go home again. Yes. And Radicals are very good, but I've already put in my official complaint that I'd like some historic racing cars the next time. <laughs> so I like burbling V8s and straight sixes and things going past. That would be good. Um, so we get, should we get on with it? Because okay. we should really, shouldn't we? Um, well, I mean, most of our listeners, readers, whatever, will know our guest uh, as a racing driver. He still is that, but he's also key to the BRDC Superstars programme. So welcome, Andy Merrick. How are you doing? I'm all right. Thank you very much for having me. So, what do you want to talk about first? I guess, actually, it would make sense to fill, us, fill the listeners in on what you've been doing behind the wheel in recent years, because it's been in series that perhaps don't get the normal, because obviously you've done Le Mans in the past, GT racing, sports car racing, um, and you're still in that world, but it's in series that perhaps don't get the, uh, don't get the big headlines uh, normally. Yeah, um, yeah, for the last few years, it's been sort of, um, yeah, a bit, bit, bit all over, really. I mean, this year, I'm racing, I'm really lucky this year, but, um, I've been with United Autosport now for, oh, the fifth season I hope I don't insult Richard by getting that wrong um, yeah this is my fifth year with United Autosport we've been doing LMP3 um, in, in Michelin Le Mans Cup and this year in, in ELMS um, for, for, for that programme which I'm really looking forward to with um, Nelson Piquet Jr and Daniel Daniel Schneider so I've got two two Brazilian teammates and um, definitely got the worst tan in the car that's for sure um, they are uh, much browner than I am so um, yeah all, all good really I'm really happy with that programme and also also in GT World Challenge, um, which I still call Blanc Pond Endurance Series, um, but yes, GT World Challenge with uh, with the team Parker Racing in the Porsche. So yeah, looking forward to it. And when I spoke to, to Richard Dean recently, yeah, the United All Sports uh, boss, he said that uh, he thought LMP3 was perhaps a really underrated gem in motorsport, given the teams and drivers. Uh, that have come through it and gone on to other things. Is that something you found? Because obviously you've done it a few years now and the people you've seen come through it? Uh, absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I, I've... i For me, the Pro-Am racing... Uh, when I came out of the Bentley Works program, that's since then I've been in, involved in pro am racing um, a lot, and I actually think that. I, so when I came out of that, that GT3 program with with M Sport and, and Bentley, I, the season after, yeah, it was the season after, was I was in a in a P3 car, and I, I probably had this. Because up until then, my, my sort of prototype experience had been LMP1, LMP2. So I kind of looked down my nose, if I'm honest with you, about a little bit down at an LMP3 car at a time and thought, well, what, what, what is it really? Is, you know, is it, where does it fit in? But I have to say, I think it's the 
a, the perfect stepping stone to get into sports car racing for for an amateur driver and a very very good uh, platform for people to be able to coach with and to be able to harness your skills to be able to go down that route to go to you know, world endurance series you know and 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 to Le Mans so yeah I think the P3 stuff is brilliant it's in the same it's in the right paddocks um it's it's a, a really really good and sensible option if you look back before that you had what do they call it in in america when i was doing prototypes uh, lmpc was it what was it called and uh, so you you know the ones the big head is the orica with a big heavy engine They're quite tricky to drive they were really think, tricky yeah. to drive so i think that's where the lmp3 was a brilliant you know, sort of stepping stone or, or development should we say actually more so than from that let's call it LMPC if it was I can't remember but that you know it's a proper race car that people they're not hard to drive and they're very much the characteristics of an LMP2 and actually Deany said that it was good for teams as well like he said they basically wouldn't have gone to Le Mans with LMP2 had it not been for their success in LMP3 so yes. a bit of a shout out for that but I do I do have one more question on that why weren't you the benchmark driver when United brought the uh, brought the LMP3 cars to the young driver test? So what was but, that because about? I've got half a brain cell, um, <laughs> and, and I realise I've seen too many, too many, uh, so we say benchmark drivers on those days get embarrassed by very very fast young up and coming racing drivers. And when Wayne said to me that he was going to do it, I went, "Okay, mate, good luck," um, because you're just on a hide into nothing. Um, you know, you've got. Four young drivers who are just absolutely have got nothing to lose, everything to win, and um, you know all they want to do is go fast, and they, they you know it's all or nothing on the, over that couple of days, and um, the expectation from you know. Johnny for Wayne is you you you're the experienced driver you have to be the fast person you're the one who's going to set the bet much time and of course they do a very very good job and exactly but the you know the 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 guys and girls that are there for the for the shootout they absolutely need this more than anything and yeah sometimes it can go the the uh, the other way well i did a, did a piece and the headline was you know the worst job at the awards absolutely. which is the benchmark driver and one of the things that actually came back quite consistently consistently was that when you're in sort of almost professional mode like the you are the normal driver in that car you're not used to smashing over curbs you're used to looking after the tires looking after the car and whatever and you go out and you do a sensible run and then of course the young drivers jump in and everyone goes oh yeah you can drive it like that yeah <laughs> yep, yep, yep. that's not really how we do and i have to re- recalibrate it again but yeah no, i think you're very wise to have uh, yeah no I, I definitely made the right decision by turning up with my jacket on and my hat and watching there's been some good benchmark drivers over the years as well in the uh, for the awards Oh, to be honest, it is it is a hard job, but it's really really important for but for us as judges to to get where the cars are at. But also, it's really important for the for the finalists themselves to have somebody to measure against and talk to. And someone like Johnny Adam, who drove the Aston Martin, now he's so you know, he he operates in a sort of a pro am world, doesn't he? Most of the time, and so you know the big part of his job is the other person in the car I must help to make faster. So he's perfectly suited uh, to that sort of thing. But then you do, yeah, you do sort of lose. You're effectively trying to give someone information to get as close to your time as possible. Totally. But do you know what? I was having this conversation with somebody earlier. Aren't those couple of days amazing to watch? Because you, you have you, so many times when you're there for those, you know, for the, for the shootout. And you know, if, if it was a stopwatch, you know, you know, modern technology, it's it's live timing. But it's and it happens so many times when a lap time gets you know gets gets completed and you look at you know the, the live timing if it was a stopwatch you'd rattle it and think now nah, this is broken and it, it is just incredible to see these young drivers how bear in mind these are cars that they invariably haven't driven or if they have driven they've hardly got any any experience of whatsoever of what the young talent can do so quickly it is actually scary to be honest. Yeah, with yeah, you. yeah. And we've had it before where the benchmark drivers come in, come up, and go, "I want to see the data of that last run from yeah. the young driver to go where the hell is they found that time." Quite often, it's high speed, just yeah, yeah, <laughs> hanging it out with no, no imagination no fear, or something. No yeah, fear at all. yeah. But I mean, it's so it's yeah. And we've had, I mean, actually, Alexander Sims, he he uh, famously, as I keep trying to annoy him with, uh, outpaced Gary Paffitt when Paffitt was the DTM yeah. benchmark driver. Uh, then he was the uh, McLaren benchmark driver as the you know a few years later, and he didn't get beaten. And then he was the Ligier LMP3 driver a few years after that, and did get beaten. So he's experienced the whole uh, the gamut of, uh, of of things as uh, as the. So what you said is, as he got older, he got he slower. got slower. Yeah, but he has just, <laughs> he, he has just won the Sebring 12 hours. Yes, exactly. Cadillac, so he's not doing he? too badly uh, by by managing not to. 
crash in a multi-car shot in the last hour of a 12-hour race, yeah. which is, I think I've mentioned that on three different podcasts now, so this is the third know, time, might, yeah, might need yeah, to edit it out. Slight bee in your I'm bonnet I'm trying to this. big up sports cars as well, because, you know, if you... Is that the Albuquerque um, crash in, in turn two, that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Nudged across by that Jaminet was, in the Porsche. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think mm. Jaminet would have seen him. I can't believe he would have seen him. It, yeah, it, yeah, it really split opinion that one, didn't it? Really, like, I see. I, I've not, I've not, I've only watched it briefly, and I haven't, I haven't spoken to it. Well, so I mean, see, my thought so, process, having done, having done Sebring quite a lot, I don't think you would have, because Albuquerque sort of goes for the outside line. Yeah, it doesn't make doesn't it. work, and then cuts back across. When you're in a pack of cars, there's no. If well, put it this way, if Jaminet could see him. I'm amazed because all you'd have seen is headlights. You don't know which car's which. Yeah. So I don't think he moved across to block him personally. Well, he also had two GT cars ahead. In front and of I him. think he was trying to manoeuvre around them. Position it but for it, that. And actually, it wasn't a huge hit, but it was just enough to to, to stick the Acura onto the grass, yeah. into the wall. And then he's just a passenger. It just so happens that when he gets to the corner, it's Jaminet that he takes off. Yeah. And the second Porsche was coming along. So you've lost three LMDH cars in yeah. a few seconds. I think it affected the GTD class battle as well. So anyway... I've now got a proper mention of that in, so you, <laughs> you cut the other one down and leave this one in. This <laughs> is the big one. Should we talk Superstars, the programme that you are running? What's your... So the, the BRDC Superstars, tell us about... Tell the audience about that if they don't know. So the BRDC Superstars um, was founded in 2008 by Damon Hill. Um, and it was really... Obviously, the, 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 the BRDC as a club has invested and in, in its young driver schemes for many, many years. And um, the Rising Stars was... or is and was at the time and, and still is a very established program for, for for the young drivers. But really the the idea of, of the superstars was to give that next level support to the drivers at sort of an elite level. So um, I was a superstar, I always get the years wrong, I think it was when I was doing Formula 3, which was 2008, 9 and 10, I think I was, Tom Baker, who does our media, will probably tell me I'm wrong on that, but um, let's run with it. Um, so, but I was definitely a superstar for a few years then, and, and it was run by Tim Harvey at the time. Um, so then in 2018, I, um, I had a great phone call. Well, it was a great phone call and a, and a negative phone call at the same time, because the first, the first when I was asked to become the director of the, of the, the programme. So firstly, it was a huge honour to be, you know, to be, to be, should we say, recognised to be able to, to, to be the director of the programme and work with these drivers. But it also confirmed to me that I am getting really, really old. Um, <laughs> and that, um, but at least I must have some sort of uh, uh, um, experience now that is judged that I should be able to uh, hopefully um, pass on to the, to, to the younger generations. But um, yeah, so since 2018, I've I've been I've been running the program and and um, yeah I mean it is it is firstly amazing to work with the drivers the level at which the drivers prepare now compared to you know when I was coming through was just was was just you know it is phenomenal and it, it you constantly having to improve and see and, and and help these drivers but I think the main thing that we do for 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 the for the young drivers at the BRDC is work with them on an individual basis as well as that group activities and those that group basis now. You've got to remember these drivers are the 12 best and we, we keep the numbers usually to 12. Sometimes it gets to, to 13 because it's a very, very difficult decision to get these numbers down. Um, but you're the 12 best drivers, but you're not the 12 best drivers from just one, should we call it, comp- competition or academic year. You know, you, we have drivers from 16, sometimes up to 24 or 25. Well, you know, you're an exceptionally talented driver. They really, you, you know, you're looking at sort of one to one and a half drivers per academic year. So they're already good. In fact, they're already exceptional, hence why they're on the programme. And But it's how we could help them and be even better. And that's a very, very individual process for them um, because they're, 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 it's not just one discipline. It's not just single-seaters. It's sports cars. It's touring cars. You know, it's everything. So I think we do, a hopefully, a really good job of, of assisting the drivers, recognising where they have areas for development. And this is a real key thing, is not looking at this as areas of weakness, which I think we have a bit of a cultural issue in our sport where drivers naturally, if you've got an advantage or you've got, um, or even if you've got weakness, you, you, you don't talk to anyone about it. If you've got an advantage, you want to keep it to yourself. If you've got a weakness, you don't admit the weakness, which is not the same in other sports. Um, I did a degree in elite sports coaching a few years ago. And actually, when you start working with other coaches who work, say, for UK athletics or UK badminton, um, you look at the way that they, they prepare their athletes compared to how we prepare drivers. It's totally different. There's a lot more information sharing to look at dragging everybody up. Um, so I think 
it's really important to look at how do we highlight areas for development in the drivers and then through the membership, whether it's members within the club or you know being able to facilitate it through contacts in the club, we look at developing the drivers on that individual basis, as well as the group activities that we do as well with them. And what forms do they take? Is that uh, fitness, dietary requirements? What what sort of forms can that take? Yeah, absolutely, you know anything. Of course, what you've mentioned, but there's the way I say to all the drivers is, look, this is about making you it's a finishing school you know and this is about making you the best version of you anything that can be performance related now if if that's mind coaching if that's you know on a sponsorship side or 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 a you know we've got drivers who have gone on 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 after school business sort of courses to be able to help them learn because they've got to the level where they're they're on say at that time they're not having to bring a budget but they've got sponsors that or they've got space on their suits how to be able to do that it's contract negotiation so it's all of the all of the things that make you a professional and that you're going to need throughout your career, um, and 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 you know because not all the drivers make it to Formula One. Not everybody has that big support network. You know, drivers like myself in in sports cars, you need to take on a lot of that those those sort of responsibilities yourself and see yourself as a brand, see yourself as a business. And I think um, yeah, I'd like to think that we do it. We do a good job of, of of assisting the drivers. What's changed since you were at that stage? Um, in the second half of this podcast, we've already recorded that bit. So Callum Voice and he's, I asked him about what he needs, you know, what outside of, you know, when you're not in the seat. So are you at the gym? Are you, have you got a, a sim set up? And he's like, well, school. And I'm like, of course, you're 16. Yeah. Yeah. What? It's scary. <laughs> um, you're a little bit older, mm-hmm. but from sort of almost 20 years on from, you know, British Formula Renault and Formula Ford, how is it different for sports? Um, sportsmen and women now compared to when you were starting out just the level of knowledge and the level of support has just skyrocketed it is just incredible I mean you know my idea the idea of of good training and good fitness was you know, go for a run and, and and maybe go and lift the odd weight and I think that um the for example sims didn't really exist I mean you know I was probably at the tail end of it um the preparation for race events you know nowadays you know, United Autosport I'm not saying it telling any, any trade secrets um you know you, a lot of the top teams like United like Team Park the, the, the preparatory documents that we get for a for a, a race weekend that information just wasn't there you know I I would probably approach it but I'd actually go and visit my engineer spend the afternoon with him have that that time to prepare things but now we get you know thirty-page documents about how to look at, at race weekends, and then you then you correlate that with the sim. Then you, I think a big part of it now as well is because there's so many coaches, so many avenues to go down that it's actually the support networks are, are much much bigger than what they used to be as well. So for me, even when I was doing Formula Three, it was you know my mum, my dad, and a, a guy that I used to do a bit of training with, and that was my support you know, the, the network and that was it. Now you could be doing Formula 3 and you could have half a different coaches that you're working with, whether it's a mind coach, a sim coach, a performance coach. Again, pulling that all together then is quite a key aspect as well, making sure everyone's speaking the right language and also everyone's motivations are the right way as well because this has become a business for a lot of people you know, on the coaching side and making sure that actually they're not just there to earn a few quid, they're doing a good job as well. So I think, um, yeah, the, the, the level of... The level of um, exposure to coaching is just across all aspects is massively different um and as i say i think that probably the biggest single thing is is sims um and that's my excuse as to why i'm absolutely terrible on sims to be perfectly honest with you yeah but it's become such a thing now like that could be your job i don't just mean esports which is oh, also yeah. a paid profession now yeah. but you can be a i mean we've had some you know award winners that have got deals either they've signed them or they've been offered them to go and do sim work for f1 teams that as a job, and like that's yeah. obviously that's their that's their in, but you can do it at the other end. Look at Anthony Davidson, you know, he, one one of his tasks is to go along to Mercedes and tell them how disappointing the W14 is with his latest <laughs> setup, and to try and turn it into something better, you know. And they, it's it, like that's his job. So it's yeah, the simulation tools are, are incredible. Uh, yeah, now. So, so many of the current crop of drivers, and even drivers who you would say now have probably got forgotten a little bit and aren't competing day to day, they they've got sort of I wouldn't say stepped back. It's just stepped into that role of, of sim driving but even the guys that are competing I mean I, I, you know it was I mean I think it's well known but a lot of our superstars are, are, are pretty much flat out on sims in the in the week um and that that, that adds on another aspect of that you know that you can be busy all the time now as a young professional driver you can actually earn an income 
you can be, you know, how has it changed? You can actually be busy. Whereas before, you know, I, I was at university, quite frankly, that was what I did in between when I was coming up through the sort of single seater sort of route. So I think there's that access to being able to do, uh, you know, to earn revenue streams through different areas as well. And that's probably, I mean, I don't know how much of this you did, but that's safer than the old way of trying to earn money between your race meetings of going and sitting next to you know, Joe blogs off the street and doing track days or whatever and sort of yeah, hoping that yeah. you're sitting next to someone who's sane and will hit the brake pedal when, you, you know, because that can be... No, but honestly, that, some race drivers have got some pretty scary stories of, of being sat next to... Next Absolutely. To, so and I'll be honest with you. sim with a team is probably It's way safer, appealing. way, way safer and, and easier and, e- and easier and nice. I mean, that's worse you, the, the coaching, I, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of my friends and a lot of, you know, sort of colleagues who I, I don't do much sort of sitting next to people and, 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 and do that sort of aspect of coaching because to be honest with you I, from a genuine safety point of view I, I think you've got to be um, I don't know if it's brave or insane to be honest with you to actually go and do it um, but no you, you know there's a lot of people who go and do that but I think it's um, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a scary environment to be in actually sometimes and something that a lot of the drivers you've got you've got to build that trust up between and confidence between you and the, and, and the driver especially if you don't know them too well and what about building their profile? Because half of it, more than half, is their talent, but a huge amount is getting noticed. Absolutely. And, and things like the BRDC Superstars program and the Young Driver Award, it, it all helps, but they have to also take the initiative. You know, you can't just have somebody come on and say, I'll do your tweeting for you. You know, they've, yeah. they've got to want to get their name out there. How can young sports stars do? do that in a way that is interesting to find out about their story but it's not just them bragging being like oh here's a picture of me you know with somewhere famous the superstars program for starters you can't apply uh, so i think being independently recognized by um you know the, the selection panel um which you know have got a lot of experience of of, of drivers from lots of different um, in you know sort of walks of, the, of our of our sport being simply selected as as somebody who's Good enough to qualify for that is a is 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 a huge accolade and, and acknowledgement in the first place. In terms of the information that drivers are putting out, I think you've hit a really interesting other point. A few years ago, you sort of saw this with social media. Social media came in; it was really really important. Everyone jumped on the bandwagon and let's put um, information out there. And I've kind of got to be busy. I've got to be putting information out. But I think yes, you. So a lot of people then went out and employed people. Right? Oh, they do. They they handle my my social media. I think something that's really come in the last. A lot of people are bored of social media to a degree in terms of the same regurgitated nonsense that's going out there. And I think you've got to make sure that as a driver, you're getting your story and it's authentic, but nobody wants to read the same or listen to the same stuff. It's, you've got, so it's got to come from the driver. There's no point. You can't. A PR or press person cannot tell the story that you can as well as you can about yourself. And you've got to make something interesting there. So I think... Um, that's a really. I mean, we're very lucky that we're through through the, the the media team that we have here, both at the BRDC and, and we use a, a, a company called Talk PR, which are just absolutely fantastic, and they do a really really good job of working with the drivers, making sure that we get the points across a to our members but b to the wider audience within within the sport and um make sure that their their stories are told um and and promoted throughout um, throughout the motorsport industry. I think it's also important to be from the driver's perspective, be the proactive one when an opportunity comes along. So one example is George Russell when he got a sniff of something at Williams. He personally pursued that. He didn't go... Oh, dad, or PR, or whoever. Like, can you work this out for me? He went. Oh, that I'm. That is my focus. That's what I'm going for. You know, it's like the the famous story of Jason Plato hanging outside Williams, waiting for Frank Williams to come out, and basically haranguing him into giving <laughs> him a British touring car drive. You do need to. Not saying that's necessarily the technique that would work with everyone, but by being the person that goes up to it rather than people in between, like you want to use the contacts to facilitate those sort of meetings. But I think that the driver needs to be. They need to show the proactivity uh, massively because. I, I said, in fact, we've had we've, you know, we've had this conversation on on our launch day with the superstars today that you've got to make yourself accessible. Nobody wants to talk to a representative of you. The, 
this sport, yes, is about driving around a circuit as fast as you can. And you've again, going back to it, you've got to be fast, you've got to be talented, but you've got to stand out from the crowd. And sometimes it's just doing the basics really, really well and making sure that, you know, you're the person who's accessible, you have a little conversation with somebody and it, it's it's genuine. And it, it, and it that, that so when the phone call comes and there's an opportunity to take, you know, invite a driver to this event or for this PR opportunity or this, whatever it might be, you all, it's human nature. You're going to go for for the person who you feel is sincere, you know, genuine, hardworking. And to stand out from the crowd is something, again, that I think by working, hopefully by working with myself and, and, and through Derek and for other, you know, key key people in, within the BRDC, we're able to pass on. that. Those things haven't changed. You know, that's just about how, how you get on in life, how you get on in the sport. And, you know, I've sat on selection sort of um, selection processes for driver for drivers sorry I've also sat in in in, in selection meetings of drivers who were going to be my teammate or potential teammate when I've been at, at you know at Aston Martin at, at Bentley at Panos and I, do you know what so much of it you you think as a as a as an outsider or even as somebody even in the sport you actually think all these selections will be done completely data driven and really scientifically and there is obviously data yeah. to a degree but so much of it comes a are they a good person? Can I work with them? You know, can what what you know? Do, do they do they do they go above and beyond? And that that's just the human element that again is is something that we really really inf- and you know sort of try and instill in the drivers because you know if you're that person who just sits back takes no interest nobody nobody wants to work with you and 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 this is this is a human sport and this is a you know a, a, and and this is about contacts as well as the ability to drive a racing car. And related to that as well, I think because Andy's not going to say it about himself, but I, I've been a I've been on the Rising Stars Scouts for a few years now, and, uh, and this year I got a bit more of a window into the Superstars process as well. And I have to just sort of tell everyone how seriously it's taken, and Andy and Derek Warwick in particular, the amount of time they put into it, and it's you know setting up meetings and going through the, the data and talking about the drivers and what's going on with their backing, what they're doing next year, you know staying in touch with them you know it's a lot going into it it's not just yeah. a, oh we've got them on this program isn't it nice that we've got the badge on the car uh, or their overalls like, it's you know I want to give give Andy and Derek some some real credit for that and other people at BRDC as well but I think um you know they're, they're two sort of driving forces behind it and that and that's that sort of thing is one of the reasons and the amount of pool of enthusiasm and talent we've got in this country is one of the reasons why we've got so many professional British racing drivers around yes, the world yeah. in so many different categories yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, and I think you know. Again, looking at that coachability aspect is can can you work with these people? You just say it's not. You're looking at where are the drivers now? Where where can they be in a, in a few years' time? And how can we help them? Because you know, as you say, we've got talented. We've got talent in this country. Um, we've got we've got drivers there, but it's not a guarantee that it's always going to you know it's always going to be the same. We've got to keep producing you know good talented drivers that are going to win in whether it's touring cars whether it's you know the, the world of GT and endurance or it's Formula 1 you know everybody and it benefits everybody you know I mean you come into Silverstone you know nowadays when you've got George and you've got Lando and you've got Lewis you've got all these it's, it is it is you know, mega to be to be part of that isn't it absolutely well that's i think a uh, a good introduction to what we're going to hear next with two of our young superstars andy thank you very much for for coming on before we before we leave you is there anything on the the horizon that you'd like to drive next that you haven't driven that you think oh i've got my eye on that or you're gonna jinx it by saying on the podcast anything you'd fancy having a go in soon i used to do a lot of historic racing i'm I'm, i can't you know if i'm honest with you driving a porsche gt3 and an lmp2 car i'm very lucky in my in, in my career currently i'm driving I probably wouldn't want to drive two other cars that there, or there's two cars I'd like to drive more sorry than what I am driving but I've also driven lots of different things good and bad you know AMR1 um, which uh, in fact I've driven the Group C AMR1 and I've driven the AMR1 at, at, at Le Mans and then, and the, which actually then became the, the, the tub or the chassis for the, the, the Delta Wing um, loved it in both forms, I'm oh sure. <laughs> Do you know what? It, it, used, it used to break down, and one, once it caught fire, where were we? We were at, um, I think it was Mossport. It, it it caught fire, and I generally thought, right, that is it now. It's gone, but it, 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 it could never get rid of that thing. And then, um, but no, I I actually missed racing some of the historics. I, I did, I did um, probably haven't driven a historic car for. Um, 
five, six years now, but I did a lot of Group C, historic F1, F2. So I think all those those sort of historic cars. I came to the classic last year, and yeah, it's that started getting the hairs back on the on the back of the neck, sort of thinking, do you know what? I'd like to do some historics again. So um, yeah, I'd, I'd I'd definitely like to get back into some historics and do 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 some driving alongside uh, alongside the, the modern stuff. I think that's got a real future to it in terms of a younger audience discovering other stuff as well. As we move into an electric future or whatever the the future is, I'm really excited about where combustion stuff goes. And I think that might be looking backwards at, at the things that we've had on the road before. Well, also, I've said, you know, there's a, a lot of criticisms levelled at modern motor racing. Like, you, the solution is go to a historic event. Oh, the cars are too quiet. <laughs> Come to the Silverstone Festival and listen <laughs> yeah. to some race cars or Good Revival or, you know, the big HSCC meetings at Brands or wherever. Yeah. You know, the, car, the cars look and sound fantastic. There's, there should be something for, for everyone, really. And, and I think, as well, all young drivers, all young up-and-coming drivers should go and drive historics or even if it's an old Formula Ford 1600 H pattern gearbox you know and, and actually learn to drive properly as well and I don't and, and that that sounds really really you know odd when I say that but they really drive something different improve your, your, your understanding because a lot of drivers don't actually even just changing gear changing gear in, in a group C car you know we've all seen that onboard of, of Senna around, around Monaco one-handed changing gear all that so you know when you've got these old cars that are the powerful you know, you've got you've got to have some mechanical sympathy, and you've got to have some really good understanding. And I think it's something that a lot of young drivers don't do, and is kind of being missed. Actually, doesn't mean they're not quick; they're super quick. But they don't. I think it would they could be even better if they went and drove some of the the sort of more more basic cars. Well, when Mick Schumacher came and drove his dad's Jordan One Nine One, Karun Chandok had to teach him how to heel and toe before really? he went out because. Yeah. And that's not a criticism of Mick. It's because he's never needs to do that in any car that he's been in. So why would he know how to do it? Yeah, that, that doesn't surprise me. As you say, it's not a reflection on how fast they are. They're still super, super quick. But it's just what they, they haven't been exposed to it. And I think that um, yeah, that's, that, maybe that should be something on the the Young Driver of the Year award shootout. Now, maybe you know, uh, throw a fourth car there and there, stick an old Formula Ford sixteen hundred in. There you go. That'd be good, wouldn't it? That'd be good. Although I'd probably go for something a bit meatier. Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> something with a bit more grunt, just to give you. I mean, actually, we um, we had a we did a uh, track test with Alexander Sims again a few years back uh, of F three cars, and as a result of that, he was asked. Simon Hadfield said, "Do you want to jump in the F five thousand car?" Yeah, and he got into yeah. that. I mean, they shake the ground. He said, "There's a bump out of Beckett's that in a modern F three car I'd, I'd never noticed. I noticed it in this." <laughs> <laughs> what I was in for me, my Wednesdays, Wednesdays, Wednesdays were Mallory Park in the morning shaking the car because he's unsilenced Wednesdays at Mallory Park then Thursdays at Donington and like they were just brilliant you're just jumping in anything and anything and it, I think it really helped me you know sort of develop my skills to be honest with you but actually it's just fun as well you know they're, 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 they, uh, they're mega cars you say the 5000s are proper proper beasts as well so yeah four, four F5000s this year in the wet <laughs> for the Young Driver of the Year award. God, Derek, I think Derek would go white trying to think of the ins- how to cover that with insurance. <laughs> you want to do what now with Young Drivers? <laughs> well, I think that's a perfect introduction to what we'll hear next. Uh, we'll chat to a couple of those BRDC superstars in the second half of the podcast. Andy, thank you for joining us. Okay, thanks for having me. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. We've trekked to Silverstone today. I say trekked. Up from Dorset, it's a bit of a trek for me. But for our group national editor, Stephen Licorice, you're practically on the doorstep. <laughs> so it's not a trek for you. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Martin. Yeah, good to be back at Silverstone once again. And we've got two special guests here. 
this is a bit of a GB3 themed podcast. So we've got two of the potential title contenders for, for this year. No pressure, guys. Uh, so um, first of all, we've got Callum Voicing, who will be with Carlin. Yeah, thank you for having me. And we've also got Matt Reese, who will be driving with JHR Developments. Thanks for having me today. Both of you have spent a year in GB3 already and have had slightly different journeys to, to get to that point. So I think it's worth just sort of putting some of the listeners that perhaps aren't familiar with your your sort of previous racing experience just to give them a bit of an idea so starting with you Callum first of all um, obviously you began with Janetta Junior something very different to to GB3 and then you made the huge leap up to GB3 last year so how did you find making that move from the sort of low powered Janetta Junior car to the full slicks and wings experience in in gb3 it was a big jump it was a big gamble for sure i mean you know it's not the usual kind of conventional route that people do you know most people a few people do janetta juniors is quite a popular series but then they'll if they want to do single seaters they'll kind of move over to f4 and then onto gb3 but uh you know we had a test in uh in the gb3 kind of mid 2021 in the summer and it went very well so then after that it was kind of just you know, trying to, you know, gather up uh, kind of a year in GB3 and see how it goes. Um, I, I came in with kind of zero expectations. I had no clue really what was going to happen. I still, you know, it was it was a bit of a, a surprise when I guess we got to round one and I think I qualified, I don't know, in the top five or something. But um, no, it was a huge learning experience. It could not be more different to Janessa Junior, you know, it's got over twice the horsepower half the weight slicks and wings it's it's and you know the downforce it produces is you know infinite times more <laughs> compared to Janessa Junior so um yeah it was it was you know there's only really one way to describe this well last year sorry it was you know just crazy I mean it was never it was flat out all the time and um yeah I mean we were ever improving and towards the end of the year we were you know probably one of the fastest cars on the track so um yeah, that's that was my year, and then um, this year we'll uh, try and replicate and go even better. Yeah, absolutely. Because I remember you, you saying to me last year that you had like no expectations, and you really sort of gave you so much confidence to be so competitive in your first season, having made that jump up. So, what's going to be the key now for this year? to sort of build on that what are there any areas you really need to sort of focus on do you feel yeah for sure I think you know the mo- the main thing was the uh, probably consistency I think the speed we had especially towards the end of the year was really good it was just I think you know maybe it, perhaps a few mistakes on my side or, or kind of stuff out of our control that happened I think you know a, a little bit more consistency throughout the championship we could have been a lot higher so I think thing I'll be trying to I guess work on for this year is uh, definitely the consistency and then you know I guess that kind of comes a little bit with experience not knowing you know what to expect and uh, knowing what you have to do to win these races is uh, I guess it'll be it'll be crucial for this year so yeah yeah no definitely and I suppose staying with that Rodin Carlin team as well it's one less thing that you've got to to learn isn't it this this time around yeah exactly i mean the car has obviously changed quite a bit since i uh since last year just with you know normal development and stuff like that but for sure they they know what i like i know what they want and uh i have a very good relationship with my uh with my um engineer who uh and my engineer jimmy who's uh yeah very friendly <laughs> nice guy and uh no we get on very well so yeah matt had a slightly more conventional route in the sense that you came through from British F4, joined the series in 2021 with JHR Developments. You won the championship in in your first year. Was that something you were expecting as you moved from karting into into cars? Uh, no, I think it was a bit of a shock to the system that year because it was it was very unexpected. Because obviously pre-season testing, we had I wouldn't say we were one of the faster cars. We was more like fourth or fifth consistently maybe you'd peek into the top three but the main ones were um, Abby Pulling or Roman Belinsky they were the main ones so I think come round one we, I think we won't put it on pole round one and then consistently just stayed there I think I was a real shock because before that never we'd never been in a P1 in a session so it was very confusing so to be, to be honest just to hold 
just to hold P1 for the entire season was very odd. Motor racing drivers are meant to be uh, like, oh no, absolutely, totally expected. You know, this is the plan, and you know, we work on things. It's, it's almost like the you know the same answer over and over again. Uh, so it's refreshing to hear someone say, well, this is fantastic. I was totally unexpected. <laughs> well, I, am, I am a realist, unfortunately. <laughs> so yeah quite a good result in the end I think it was a real confidence booster in the end to move up to GB3 obviously we stayed with uh, Steve and JHR a very good partnership I I kept the same mechanic Uh, we brought in a new engineer by the name of Pete he's worked worked with a few race teams before so I think the experience we had a few teething issues last year obviously uh, first year for for me in the series first year for Steve in the series just getting around these little things I think towards the end it started to show we had some pace it was a good end to the year but I think we're going for a bit more this year uh, we have new teammates this year, obviously, because last year we run as a solo car. So I think using the data from other people will be, will, should be quite good for the, this year. How much difference do you think that will make? Obviously, uh, it will make a massive difference because as compared to last year, I was developing a car on my own. We had to try all these different setup changes. To, and obviously, it was a new car as well last year, so you have to try all these different things. But with other teammates, you can try other little things. You can, uh, Me and Joseph uh, Loku is my teammate. Two completely different driving styles. You'll see how it affects this, how it affects that. And Pete, being in Pete, he's a very good, very good engineer. You can see the differences. Make it pick probably the best setup for either of us. And well, to be fair, in pre-season testing, we've been somewhat fast this year. So I, I think we know what we're doing, and hopefully, we can actually have a decent year this year. No, definitely. And obviously, both of you were race winners last year. Both had really sort of strong seasons, and now you're wanting to sort of go that next step further and and be in the title title contention. So for for you, Matt, what what do you think is going to be? Obviously, you've got the teammates now around to help sort of support you on that journey. But what else do you think is going to be the key to to having a, a true shot at the the title this year? I think just getting a pole because I went poleless last year, <laughs> so I think I need one of them at some point. Uh, just keeping consistency because last year we had, I think, round one we got on the podium, and it wasn't until round. I don't know, round or the round seven, but like race 20, 21, something like that, until we actually were back on the podium again. So I think just keeping consistency and staying there or thereabouts is something we really need to work on this year. So I've been away in the winter trying to do that. So hopefully we can that we can improve that and be a lot better than last year. Yeah, and you mentioned consistency, but this is a championship that's stacked full of, of some really impressive driver and talent. I think we're at sort of 23, 24 drivers already, and there's so many potential race winners among them. Uh, how does does that sort of affect your, your mindset at all, knowing that, yes, you're coming back as one of the, the drivers that's got some experience, but there's so many other quick guys coming in and, and joining the championship for this year? Um, I mean, obviously, you know, knowing i guess it's brilliant for the series uh yeah. having you know such a huge grid and such you know a wealth of talent i think i'm right in saying this is the record grid uh for gb3 or british f3 for a long time now so no i mean it is brilliant it's nice to see the series you know um are kind of on a good trajectory that's for sure and um but i mean i think for from a competitor's kind of uh point of view it, it doesn't really change too much at the end of the day, you still got to go out there and uh, you know pole it and win it. So it's not too different for sure. I think the the reverse grid races, the race three uh, of the weekend, is perhaps going to be slightly more kind of <laughs> carnage. I think we've got more or less twenty five drivers on the grid. So if you make up five positions, then you start an on pole. That's still P twenty, whereas before that would be I don't know P ten or P fifteen. So for sure, the reverse grid races are going to be even more hectic than they already are. So. Um, I think you know the key for that will just be staying out of trouble. But apart from that, I think, as I said, from a competitor's point of view, the uh, I mean, the competition is competition. You still got to beat them. So yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. And you just missed out on third in in last year's standings. Did you sort of consider doing anything else this year? Any other sort of championships, or did you know you always wanted to come back for that sort of second season in GB3? Um, no, I mean, I think. In the end, it, it made sense to stay in GB3, but for sure there were other options. As uh, you know, as a racing driver, I always think that it's kind of good to keep moving on and uh, looking for new challenges and um, and stuff like that. But I think for for this year, it made a lot of sense for me to stay and um, you know be a, a perhaps more complete driver compared to you know my last kind of couple of seasons and years. I've just kind of 
gone into a championship as the new boy and not really knowing <laughs> what to expect. So always kind of been thrown in at the deep end. So I think, you know, having a, a year under my belt and staying in the same series, I think he'll, uh, yeah, it will really help. And um, I can use that knowledge to my strengths and, um, yeah, hopefully have a good year. Can I ask a little bit about the development curve, learning to be a, a better driver? Because obviously every second in a race seat is so precious. So how do you prepare for the times when you do get to be in a car? And then what are you doing when you're not in the car? Is like the gym or you're into like sim racing or what are you doing when you're, when you're not racing? Kind of school aside. Um, <laughs> of course, is, is yeah. Precisely basically what you said. I mean, um, decent amount of gymming and stuff like that. A few runs here and there. Just, you know, kind of the casual stuff, staying on top of everything. And then um, the main thing also for, you know, preparing for a race weekend in particular is... Uh, definitely going on the sim uh, i'm very fortunate to you know to have a, a home sim so i uh yeah I, I can go on there kind of the week before or something like that before my uh, my race weekend do endless laps on the simulator and just kind of trying to tweak those last few things so then to make sure when we arrive on that thursday morning that we're uh, hitting the ground running do you feel any kind of pressure in terms of when you get you know an opportunity to be something like this was the BRDC Superstars program, which was founded by Damon Hill, and it picks out only a handful of, of people every uh, you know to 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 be kind of singled out uh, to to say, hey, look, we think you guys are talented, and um, you know we want to help you help your development. Do you uh, do you feel any level of pressure, or do you just try and focus on having fun and getting in the car and going fast? Really and honestly, I think it's more, it's more of an honour than a pressure because you've been recognised as this thing. You are one of the better drivers of the country. I'd say it, one of the best nowadays is what they're trying to say. I think that's more of an honour than a pressure because you've been you've been recognised and they're trying to help you move on even further up the ladder. And I think it's a really nice thing to have as compared to, well, as you said before, in 2021 uh, when we did the F4. Didn't have anything before at all, but then in 2022 we were struggling quite hard. So I just uh, had a conversation with Andy Merrick, who is the director of the programme. He just helped helped me get through a few things, such as I had a few teething issues with the new Pirelli tyres as compared to what we used to run with Hankooks. Just uh, gave him a call, told, and he put me in touch with someone who could help me develop and how to get a perfect perfect way to get the tyres in. I think just having that on the back is a really good thing to have. What do you need at this stage of your career obviously you know money a, 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 you know, a, a blank check would be nice but apart from a blank check um what do you what do you need to progress as quick as, as you can i think money aside i think the wealth of talent in the brdc you know and so much knowledge i think that definitely helps um especially kind of asking tips as kind of matt just said um kind of on different different cars or something like that if you're you know hoping to progress onto uh, you know a a different kind of type of driving style so such as going to GT cars or something like that the BRDC is the perfect place to you know ask somebody just you know for a couple of tips on what to expect from the car what maybe is kind of good for the car and what's not so I think that definitely helps and then after that I mean you've got to stand out from the crowd for sure and uh, you've got to keep pumping in those results and I think um, it does come to you hopefully um but um no i say that's kind of the main thing a lot of just making sure that you kind of whatever car you do get in you just you know thrive in it and uh, do yeah. the best you can uh, racing in gp3 is obviously uh you know let's say a big honor as well because you get to drive some fantastic machinery against some some big talent as well i'll ask that question about you know your future and where you want to go my goodness me like i guess there's two there's two ways of doing it isn't there that you either have a you know, you're either Max Verstappen and your dad is Yoss, and you are going to be one thing and one thing only, and like you've just got someone behind you who's you are going to be a Formula One world champion, which I guess is that focus is needed to a point to progress uh, and to to have a single destination. But there's so like you look around at motorsport now, which we're coming up, we're recording this the weekend after a fantastic weekend of motorsport, whether it was you know, rallying or Sebring and WEC or you know Formula One in um, another support series there so uh, uh, how do you approach what comes next because you, you don't know, you know what's next and you're expected to say I you know I want to be the next Formula One world champion but there are so many opportunities in motorsport do you have to start picking a direction at this stage or can you just see where it goes I'd say it's a bit too early to pick a direction you're, you're only in British F3 there's m- multiple different ways to go so say just here for an example you have uh, Formula Regional the next step up uh, you have FIA Formula 3 to a side. You could 
I don't know, there's a possibility of going to America and pursuing the indie route. Or there's even a chance of you deciding to switch discipline and going into mm. GTs and going into LMP. It's really hard to pick a decision, so I'd say probably now isn't the best time. But I'd say FIA F3 is when you should really start concentrating on where you want to go. I'd say, yeah, pick now and then as you move up, pick one of the series to go wherever you want to go. So FIA, if you want to go Formula 1, Fracker, you could probably do the same thing as well. Uh, Indy to go IndyCar and then obviously progressing up the ladders through the GTs. Yeah, no, definitely. And it's interesting to sort of talk about the different routes because obviously your elder brother, Callum, has gone down the, the sort of sports cars and prototypes route. And obviously, it's obviously very different to what you've done with single seaters. Is there, how, how sort of beneficial do you think it is having that single seater experience, even if you don't end up going down the, the, the sort of Formula One route uh, well, longer term? Especially with the GB3 car, you know, it has a lot of downforce. It's kind of, it sticks to the proper, I guess, fundamentals of a single seater. You know, it's light, not too much horsepower, a lot of downforce. So, you know, through kind of high speed tracks such as Silverstone, this is where the car really comes into its own. Um, but, you know, I'd say that for sure, um, you know, single seaters does help to a certain extent um, in terms of, you know, high downforce cars and stuff like that in whatever you progress, progress on to. But, um, you know, there's other stuff that you've got to learn along the way as <laughs> yes. well. I'm sure, um, you know, with the, you know, kind of endurance racing and GT racing, there's a lot of other stuff such as the tyres and stuff like that. Obviously, it's a lot longer races. <laughs> yeah. You've probably got to be kind of pumping in those laps for hours on end. But, um, no, I'd say that's kind of why we chose to do GB3 is kind of because it has, you know, the fundamentals fundamentals of a proper kind of old-school F3 car. Yeah, no, it sort of stands you in really good stead whatever way you, you end up progressing with your careers. And we, we sort of touched on it briefly already, but the GB3 field is looking really competitive this year. Obviously, we expect both of you guys to be up, up near the front, but there's also people like Max Esterson, who's been very quick in Formula Ford racing as well as GB3, plus... Um, Last year's British F4 champion, Alex Dunn, who was really impressive in, in F4. Um, who, who else do you sort of see as your main rivals this year, besides each other? <laughs> I'd li- I would like to say Callum, because obviously he performed really well this year. <laughs> just, let's just get that out of the way, first of all. Uh, Good answer. <laughs> uh, there's a new Japanese guy, I think his name is Sato Aria. Obviously he's part of the Honda Dream project. I, th- I think he looks quite good from pre-season testing, it's been quite fast. Obviously, there's also um, uh, Mackenzie, Mackenzie Cresswell. Uh, Mackenzie, uh, old teammate of mine, very fast in F4. I think he just struggled last year, but pre-season testing, he's looked quite strong, so he could be another one. Um, obviously, Alex, because Alex has had the good performance. Uh, so is Esterton, as uh, he's had a year of experience as well, plus wins in this category. I think another one could be uh, Jared Wilbersky, because uh, obviously J- Jared knows the tracks, and also he's very fast at the minute anyway, so... Yeah, I think those are your main ones for this year. Quite a few, yeah. <laughs> quite a few rivals. Anyone else that sort of stands out for you, Callum? Um, I mean, if you kind of look it into it, look into it, I think there's easily around ten people that you know could definitely fight for race wins or even you know the, the championship as a whole. So, I think other people maybe John Bennett, my teammate, he's been he's been very good. You know, um, he's very consistent, quite a smooth driver. So. I think he'll be quite good. Um, but yeah, apart from that, I think that's more or less what uh, Matt like, touched on. I completely on. forgot about John. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that's probably the be- one of the better ones, actually, yeah. so I'm sorry about that one. This is awkward. Um, <laughs> boys, thank you so much. Our BRDC superstars, thank you for joining us today on the podcast. Something a bit different as well as we look towards future talent. It's great to be able to be here and get you in and have a chat on the microphone. And, and now, you know, for any of our listeners, uh, can start to follow your your careers I mean you're both online and I don't know, social media and stuff like that I'm sure everyone's building their profile but they can find you online on your websites and keep up to date on your news pages so thank you very much for uh, coming in and uh, telling us a bit more about what you're up to thank you for listening to the Autosport podcast for this edition and we'll catch you on the next one Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.